A new world is emerging. It is a new world order. To build back better or whatever. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. To be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. We've got to get them vaccinated and hopefully they will do it willingly. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack. This is Connect Those Dots. Genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Hello. Hello. Have you been vaccinated yet? I think I'm going to wait a bit longer. Why do you need to wait? I'm just not in a rush. Well, everybody's getting vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. Why are you being so selfish? How am I being selfish? Because if you get COVID, you could pass it on to me. But you've been vaccinated. Yes, yes, but I could still get it. So if I get vaccinated, I can still get it? Yeah, but you should still get the vaccine. You can catch it off me whether I've been vaccinated or not. Yes, but you should still get vaccinated. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Says who? Says me, Dr. Fauci, the guy who created the virus. <laughs> Roll up that sleeve. <laughs> Well, hello there, fam, and welcome to another rendition of this humble little podcast that we call Connect Those Dots. I'm your host, Joe, and this is the seventh episode now here. And if you're new to the show, the show's pretty self-explanatory, right? It says it right in the title. We sit there and we connect those dots of some crazy stories that we see all the time in the news, and we correlate them to the other crazy stories that are going on in the news that we see every single day and it's that's in our face constantly. And we might not think that they correlate in the beginning when we first see them. We might think that they're independent from each other. But when we actually do a little bit of digging ourselves, when we put our detective hat on, we can see that they connect and then they connect to other stories that we also thought were independent and isolated. But then we see that all these stories start to connect and we start to make the constellation and the real bigger picture that all these little individual stories make when you see that they're all tethered together. They're all part of the same chain. They're all branches and leaves in the same gigantic tree. Last week, we talked about the potential of an incoming cyber attack. Now, especially with the whole Russia conflict and how the news and people like Klaus Schwab are all telegraphing and people like uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, fake puppet President Biden, are all telegraphing that we are going to expect a gigantic cyber attack soon. And we played all the clips at nauseum and we talked about it and we connected the dots on that. But on this episode, I want to sort of go back in time a little bit 
and show you how they don't just telegraph the cyber attack thing. It's pretty egregious with that, but if we go back in time a little bit, we see how they telegraph the whole pandemic crisis as well. And we're going to get into all of that. I'm going to play you all the clips from all the talking heads. Very clip-heavy episode today because with this topic, it's like a buffet. It's like a smorgasbord. It's like an all-you-can-eat supply of just crazy clips from things that Bill Gates and Fauci say on camera, from things that CEOs say behind closed doors in undercover recordings, to what they say at their little press conferences and meetings that nobody watches or listens to or used to listen to. But when you go back into the archives and when you find these clips, it is just, it's shocking how blatant they are with their telegraphing of the the nefarious deeds that they're up to. So without any more preamble, we're going to talk about it as what Bill Gates likes to call germ games. What I call germ games. Now, what are germ games? Um, I'll try to explain it the best way I can in sort of layman's terms, but it's basically a bunch of people like the World Economic Forum folks and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation folks and uh, all those usual suspects, they get together and the the Fauci types and all these people that you think are bigwigs, okay? And that you think are, uh, you know, you're guiding light in the world and whatever they say on TV is your doctrine that you must obey. All these people, they get together and they basically forecast what if scenarios, if large scale epidemics or pandemics were to occur on a global scale and how they would basically fix the world, appointing themselves as the saviors and guardians of the earth on how they would fix a quote-unquote pandemic if it were to happen. Hmm. Is your spidey sense tingling already? Spider sense. Danger. And they have all sorts of these germ games on record that they've done and they've operated and they've, uh, it's called germ games or tabletop exercises or uh, war games. They have a bunch of uh, you know cutesy little names for the uh, for their their sick little playtime events, like we talked about last week with the cyber polygon cyber attack war game. A few examples I can give of some germ games are Event Two Hundred One and Agenda Twenty One, which. They both talk about potential coronavirus pandemics, the Rockefeller document, Operation Lockstep, and uh, another one that I personally really think is a great resource, and you can find it. It's called SPARS 2025. SPARS 2025. It has everything that we've experienced in a detailed PDF that was made prior to what we have gone through with this whole COVID crisis. I highly recommend, you can find it on Google. It's called SPARS 2025. Okay. But I'm not a psychopath who orchestrates pandemics and the response to my orchestrated pandemics. I'm not that type of freak, but I can play you a clip of one of those freaks, probably the main freak, the main weirdo James Bond villain that, Cannot stop talking about pandemics. It's his favorite subject, pandemics and death. 
Let's hear Bill Gates himself tell you how he likes to spend his spare time and his favorite hobby and how he uses all his billions and all his resources and all his wealth. Let's, let's hear him tell you his favorite hobby of what he calls germ games. Yeah, so it was 2015 that I gave the uh, TED Talk and wrote a number of papers uh, titled We're Not Ready uh, for the Next Pandemic. And sadly, that was uh, a better forecast of what would happen than uh, anyone would have wished for. Oh, Bill, because you're just so smart. You're, you're, just, you're just a sage scholar with a crystal ball, and you, you just know everything that's going to... My forecast was really accurate. It's because I'm really smart. Oh, it's unfortunate, though. Let's, let's, let's keep going with Mr. Gates. You know, the economic damage, the, you know... The deaths, it's been completely horrific. Notice how he says the the economic damage and then, uh, um, um, uh, oh yeah, the, the, the deaths. Yeah, yeah, those things. Listen to the psychology of when these people speak and how inhumane, how inhumane they are. Like, there's no human touch to the words that they say. And I would expect that will lead the R&D budgets to be focused on things we didn't have today. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmission. Only slightly reduce the transmission. You know, you know what that means? That means you're going to have to take more and more of these vaccines because they work so well, but oh, they don't work that well. So you need to keep taking them. Are you hearing the double speak already? We need a new a new way of doing the vaccines. We didn't get much in the way of therapeutics. Uh, you know, dexamethasone and now molnupiravir. Um, and like, that's just a lie. Like, that's just a complete lie, Bill. Have you not heard of hydroxychloroquine? Had, do you not know the medicinal properties of ivermectin? Well, I took ivermectin when I was sick with a cold. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know what the hell it was. I knew it was a coronavirus, which has been around forever. Okay, I knew it was a corona-like virus with coronavirus-like symptoms. I don't get into the whole theater of, oh my God, I got COVID, I need to get a test. I took ivermectin and it knocked it out real quick. So when he's saying that there's no therapeutics, and then he names some therapeutics that they have patents on and his buddies have patents on, like remdesivir, which is patented by Anthony Fauci, and another thing called malnupiravir, which got pulled off because it was having such adverse reactions... Notice that this guy doesn't want you knowing about actual therapeutics that work. Notice that Bill Gates funds all of the things like MSNBC and CNN and publications like NewsGuard that were making fun of Joe Rogan when he said he took ivermectin and they were calling it horse paste and all this nonsense. It's because they can't patent the drug ivermectin, but I digress. We can get into that stuff later. Let's get back to uh, Mr. Psycho Boy Gates. Uh, could help, but way less than, than should have been the case. We didn't get the diagnostics up and running in order to, you know, achieve what at least Australia and New Zealand showed. <laughs> Australia and New Zealand. Australia and New Zealand, he says, are the countries that have tackled this pandemic the best way. 
Australia and New Zealand are the most authoritarian countries. We talked about Australia at nauseum. New Zealand's basically the same exact thing with their prime minister, that or Jacinda Ordern is her name. She look into her, look into the stuff. I can do an entire show just about quotes of her, but <laughs> for time's sake, I won't. I won't make you suffer through that as I'm making you suffer through Gates right here, but we have to listen to what these people say. I know it's insufferable hearing them talk, but it's important what they say. It's important how they gloat. It's important how they show their hand of what they're doing. That uh, competent management could keep the death rate down uh, pretty dramatically. And so I'm hoping in five years I can write a book called, you know, we are ready for the next pandemic, but it'll take tens of billions in R&D uh, that the U.S. and the U.K. will be part of that. The next pandemic, the next pandemic, the next pandemic. He says it as it's a foregone conclusion. It'll take probably about a billion a year for a pandemic task force at the WHO level. The WHO. The world, oh, you, you get it? The World Health Organization. We are the World Health Organization. We are going to protect you from everything by controlling every aspect of your life. And it's all funded by Gates. He's got his hands in all of it. Which is doing the surveillance and actually doing what I call germ games, where you practice. You say, okay, what if uh, a bioterrorist brought smallpox to 10 airports? You know, how would the world respond to that? Uh, you know, that... There's NAFTA really caused epidemics and bioterrorism caused epidemics that could even be way worse than what we experience today. <laughs> there he goes. He tells you what germs games are. What if a bioterrorist, uh, I don't know, uh, released smallpox at an airport and got out to all these countries and we had such a horrible outbreak of smallpox, 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 bioterrorist, bioterrorist. He has so many quotes and I'm going to play them for you. I'm going to play you another little compilation of Gates. You thought you heard it all from him? This guy talks about it constantly. Constantly. He's obsessed. This is all he talks about is what if there's a bioterrorist attack? What can we do to prevent a pandemic? What can we do to vac mass vaccinate the entire global population? This is, this is what this guy fantasizes about. This is the schemes that him and his acolytes conjure together when they're in dark rooms. And he loves to talk about it. And yet the advances in medical science should give us tools that you know, we, we could do dramatically better. So you'd think this would be a priority. It, it, the next year will be where those allocations have to get made, including this global um, pandemic task force. The nice thing is a lot of the R&D we need to do to be ready for the next pandemic are things like making vaccines cheap, having big factories, uh, eradicating the flu, getting rid of the common cold. Eradicating the flu eradicating the flu. I mean, like, are we never, are we not, are we not going to talk about the elephant in the room that when COVID became the big thing and it was the big fad and everybody was, you know, virtue signaling about COVID, you know, that the flu had disappeared. Oh my God, the flu had disappeared because everybody was wearing their masks, but everybody's got COVID because they're not wearing their masks. This is the double speak. This is the reverse mental gymnastics this is the cult brainwashing programming that they are pushing down your throat and into your head. Not you, because you're informed and you're a dot connector. But th 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 this is the message. This is the programming. 
So after that little soliloquy from Gates, him basically telling you everything he's up to, uh, fabricating pandemics, uh, testing out how people will react to the public outcry and uh, all these things. I'm going to play you another compilation of Gates. Here's just a bunch of things of him basically doing what he did there, telegraphing, talking about new pandemics, saying that we're going to be prepared for the next one. The next one is going to be even worse. I call the COVID pandemic one and we're going to have a sequel. He, here it is. I don't need to tell you anymore. Let him tell you himself. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Now uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. First, we've got population. Now uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. The source of the virus could be a natural epidemic like Ebola or it could be bioterrorism. The idea of a, a bioterrorist attack is kind of the nightmare scenario because they're a pathogen with a high death rate would be picked. Now the good news is most of the work we're gonna do to be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one, most of the work we'll do to be ready for that are also the things we need to do uh, to minimize the threat of bioterrorism. You know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, will get attention this time. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, will get attention this time. Bruh, bruh, bruh. Oh, isn't he so sweet? Bill Gates is just such a nice guy. He just cares about you so much. He just wants you to be healthy and, you know, just wants to run your life for, for, for your protection. Yeah, he wants to get your carbon footprint down to zero. And if he does really good with vaccines, yeah, he can get the carbon down to zero. And when he says carbon, he really means you. But, you know, it's for the greater good. And he just loves you so much because... You're just a helpless little weakling peasant and you're nothing without Bill Gates's protection because he's the guardian of the planet and he's going to tell you how to live because he just loves you so much. So that first clip I played of Gates for a little context uh, where he's talking about the germ games and all that stuff, um, that was from about like five months ago, and that clip compilation I played you was from throughout the years. Before COVID, during COVID, he, he's nonstop. The guy really just loves to talk about pandemics and vaccines and death. You know, <laughs> he's really fun at parties, trust me. But another sweet, loving little teddy bear of a man that just loves you so much, he wants to run your life down to everything you do, down to the fact that if you can show your face or not in public, another guy, Anthony Fauci. Boo this man! A guy that nobody's ever heard of before, 
a guy that if you actually have heard of him, you heard of him during the AIDS crisis in the 80s when he was killing AIDS patients. But he gets on TV and he gets on there with his fake little New York, Brooklyn, Italian accent and his stupid little glasses and his, you know, imp-like stature. And he's going to sit up there and he's going to tell you how to live because he just loves you so much. Well, here's Fauci, okay? Here's Fauci in 2017 talking about the next administration will be hit with a surprise pandemic. <laughs> I can't tell you how I know about the surprise, but uh, yeah, it's just going to happen. So uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you right here. Given, as you heard from the introduction, that I have been around for a while and have had the opportunity and, and the privilege and the pleasure of serving in five administrations... Um, I thought I would bring that perspective to the topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena. There will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak, but also there will be a surprise outbreak, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And I hope by the end of my relatively short presentation, you will understand why history, the history of the last 32 years that I've been the director of NIAID will tell the next administration that there's no doubt in anyone's mind that they will be faced with the challenges that their predecessors were faced with. Bruh. Surprise outbreak. Surprise outbreak. Surprise outbreak. So that's in 2017. January 2017. I mean, is your spidey sense tingling? Uh-oh. I mean, if that, if that don't get, if, then you don't have a spidey sense. Then you're not a dot connector. Then you're not a critical thinker, unfortunately. If that doesn't make your skin crawl, knowing what you know now, living in 2022, and you hear this guy back from 2017, a dude that you've never heard of before, popping up out of nowhere in 2020, Telling you that you need to be afraid of a pandemic and you need to live in fear of a virus and you need to cover your face with a dirty face diaper that we know doesn't work, that the medical papers have come out now saying that it doesn't work, finally, but I still see people wearing masks and I still get told that I can't order food at a place in person if I'm not wearing a mask. And we're still here. And it's all because of Anthony Fauci getting on TV, telling you how to live your life. When he's in there 2017 telling you, yeah, it's going to be like a surprise pandemic and you better be afraid of it because it's going to be a surprise and it's going to happen. Usually the people that know about the surprise, uh, <laughs> they're the ones uh, orchestrating the surprise. You know, like a, like a surprise birthday party or <laughs> something. But no, it's your surprise birthday party that Anthony Fauci is orchestrating. You understand? He's in on the surprise. So that was Fauci in 2017. Here he is two years later, the year before the pandemic, the year, the last year that we had normal life. 
the year that will be looked back upon as the end of the good old days, okay? Here's Fauci with a bunch of other creepy cohorts and partners and co-conspirators. They're at the Milken Institute Future Health Summit that was televised on C-SPAN back in 2019 when they did this live, live televised. And they're just telling you everything. They're just, they say it way better than I could. So here, get a load of Michael Spector talking about universal flu vaccines in 2019 with Anthony Fauci on 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 a stage together. Why don't we blow this system up? I mean, obviously we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. So yeah, there must be some way that we can just blow the system up. Like, I don't know, maybe a, a global pandemic so we can give everybody universal injections? And right after he says that, here's the guy that's on stage with him and Fauci, a guy named Rick Bright, who's the HHS Biomedical Advanced Research Development Authority. Wow, what? A title, Biomedical Advanced Research Development Authority Director, Rick Bright. Listen to what he says after you just heard what Michael Spector said. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. Can I play that again for you? Can I play that again? An entity of excitement that can, what Rick Spect, what uh, Michael Spector said, blow up the system so that we can have new protocol into how we can administer medication to a large population of people en masse. Listen to what he says again. Listen to what he says again. It's a lot of legalese and science jargon to sort of throw you off, but listen to what he says. Let's play it one more time. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity right. of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not... It's not Fauci says, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right, an entity of excitement. I like the way you put it. <laughs> beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. So telegraphing, telling you, if only we had an entity of excitement. I don't know, a pandemic. I don't know, a, a, a scare, some sort of global scare that we can do our global injection initiative. Oh, only we had a global scare. Let's pick it back up here, it's Fauci. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza and it's gonna be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're gonna address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way because you do need both. I don't care what your perception is. I don't care what you think about our universal injection initiative. We're going to do it anyways because oh, we have a we have a we have an entity of excitement. Oh, a pandemic. So when they get this entity of excitement that they're talking about, and you see how Fauci agrees with these like, yeah, we we need something that's going to scare everybody and let us change all the protocols. So don't you see that the global crisis gives them the red carpet for them to do, as Fauci says, in a disruptive and iterative way, change everything and enact their initiative of global injections for everybody? Don't They say it right there. 
But hey, you thought your spidey sense was tingling now? Like now, now you don't even need the next clip I'm going to play you. You don't even need to have a spidey sense anymore. You got to hear what Rick Bright says to close this little compilation out. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to say anymore. Let him say it himself. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of a uh, novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. So he just tells you the whole thing. Uh, it wouldn't be a surprise if, uh, you know, an outbreak happened in China and then spread across the entire globe. And then we could take the sequence from that outbreak in China and make uh, vaccines for it and then force inoculate the entire global population. He said it. He, ju he just said it. He just said it. He just flat out said it. I, it I'm speechless. Honestly, honestly, I don't need to say anything else. I could turn off this podcast right now. I don't need to show you anything else. The dudes with the big wig titles and then their front people that go on TV and enact their initiatives are on record on TV, on camera. We're on a live broadcast a year prior to all of their initiatives being enacted, telling you what is going to happen, telling you it's going to happen. They're not making predictions here. They're like, this is going to happen. Notice how they're like, there's no predictions. They, they speak very matter-of-factly, just like when Gates says that there's going to be another pandemic. Are you connecting the dots yet? Please, I really hope so. And here's Fauci at the same conference saying that he wants to give it to children as young as six months old, as young as six months old. And we're going to connect that dot to another one that we're going to talk about after. When you do get a universal flu vaccine, you're going to want to give it to six month old kids. You're going to want to give it to six month old kids. Because a universal flu vaccine, even for me at my age, is not going to be universal. It's going to call up other things that I've been exposed to. You want to give it to six-month-old kids? Who cares if they might be allergic to some of the ingredients? Who cares if it's experimental or technology that they might not agree with on a biological and physiological level? Who cares? Just give it to them. Inject, 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 inject. So just parallel that with everything that we're going through now and all the mass injection that we're seeing on a global scale and realize that the only way that they can actually do this legally is because the FDA has granted emergency use authorization for these injections because of what they called a entity of excitement. Because of this pandemic, because of the global crisis, they were able to shift the rules. And the FDA has granted emergency use authorization. And Project Veritas infiltrated the FDA and got one of their head bigwigs, one of their head muckety mucks, on an undercover recording, spilling all the beans. 
just flat out saying it, not even using any of the flowery language that like, you know, Gates does and Spectre and, and Fauci do. No, no flowery language, just flat out. Yeah. Our, uh, our stakeholders like Pfizer and Moderna and all the places that make the medicine. Yeah. They, they basically just give us billions of dollars and we grant them emergency use authorization so that they can make more money. And then it's just a cycle of us, all of us getting our bread buttered and we're going to have annual inoculations and we're going to have it for infants. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're just a bunch of greedy corporate overlords and we're going to run your life with injections while we just get richer and richer. So this is the Project Veritas news package undercover recordings of Christopher Cole, FDA executive officer of Countermeasures Initiatives. That's a hell of a title too. We're going to go through everything he says. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty lengthy clip, but it's, it's really shocking and it's really important to understand how these people talk behind closed doors. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet because they don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. So, Is it going to be formally announced? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be, uh, uh, and some of it's been talked about publicly, but it has been talked about on, like, CNN or Fox or MSNBC or anything. Um, but, yeah, it'll, 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 you'll have to get uh, an annual... Do I need to say anything? He said it himself. That's the, that's the, one of the head muckety mucks at approval over at FDA. Just telling you how it's going to be. You're going to have to get an annual injection, baby. They're going to make you into a pincushion. You're just going to be full of holes. You're going to be like Swiss cheese. They're just going to inject you, inject you, inject you until you're dead. I think um, what's going to happen is um, it's going to be a gradual thing. School's going to mandate it. Why do they need the third one? Well, the same reason um, that you or I would need the third one, because the, the vaccine, um, it means. Mm-hmm. Um, your ability to fight it wanes, so the three will bolster your your system, and then there will be an annual, um, eventually an annual, just like the flu shot. For the toddlers. Well, for everyone. Okay, so the toddlers too. Then we'll have to get Pro- it probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's in the future. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. That might involve more uh, more studies. <laughs> that's in the future. A very bleak, a very frightening future that these people are depicting. And they're telling you that they're going to enact it. And they've told you before, and they've done it. You guys have been in the news a lot the last couple of days. Yeah, we're looking at um, trying to prove... Um, I don't completely agree with their the process. They're looking at trying to inoculate um, um, kids under five years old. Mm-hmm. Between six months and five years old. What do you mean you don't agree with the process? Well, I mean, they, um, they don't have all the, all the tests aren't there. So I agree with the thing that it is important to inoculate them, um, but you can't provide the, um, the parent as much um, assurity as you normally want to. And now it's coming out that these injections, the Pfizer documents have come out that it has negative efficacy and you are more, you are 4%, this is even a crazier stat, you're 4% likely to die if you take this injection, that's the Pfizer document. That's not me saying it. you can look into it yourself. I can't show you on this because it's a podcast, but I have it right in front of me. 4% chance of death. What was the COVID percentage chance of death? Like 
So the vaccine now statistically has a higher death rate than the actual virus that it was made to cure. But Mr. Christopher Cole over there at the FDA is telling you just nonchalantly, all laissez-faire about it. Yeah, we're going to inoculate uh, children under five and it's going to be a yearly inoculation. And uh, down the road in the future, we're going to give it to the infants, just like Anthony Fauci told you back in 2019 when he had no idea what he was talking about before you knew anything about pandemics or vaccines or emergency use authorization. All, um, all age groups, all designations, and then you have to get approved by specific age groups based on the study. Do you think that's really an emergency for the toddlers? Well, they're all approved under an emergency just because it, um, it's not as as impactful as some of the other approvals, emergency approvals, but they're all being approved under that uh, standard. The efficacy data doesn't have to be as high. Mm. The standard is on emergency use authorizations is that it does more benefit than harm. So how do you know it's already getting approved? Well, they're not going to... Um, I mean, just from everything I've heard, they're not going to not approve it. I thought their cases weren't that high for six-month to four-year-olds. They're not, but it's because it's um, related to COVID, it's under that approval process. So how many babies did they have to jab, basically, for the trial? I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the trial, um, how many people they did. You never, there's always a chance of long, long-term effects, especially with someone younger. It's hard to find, like, pregnant women um, for these studies and, um, and a significant number in order to be uh, statistically uh, accurate. So he's just telling you right there, they haven't done enough testing on, on infants and children and pregnant women, but uh, everywhere you see, it's the vaccine's safe and effective for your child. The vaccine's safe and effective if you're pregnant. I, I know women that don't eat cold cuts if they're pregnant, but they're going to take an experimental mRNA injection while they're pregnant from because a bunch of creepy old freaks told them that they need to take this injection because of a virus that they don't need to be afraid of that has a 99.9% survival rate that's just the cold that they called Corona, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, all these stupid names. So they can enact their freakish fetish of injecting the entire globe with their crazy technology. It's freakish stuff. I'm telling you, it's it's freaking me out. And the FDA guy is telling you, yeah, we just let it happen. And right here, I'm going to fast forward to the part where he talks about, yeah, uh, they just pay us and we approve it. So they're giving more money. Yes, that's great. And it increases the chance of uh, an approval. Well, the dirty stuff is never really publicized. I mean, there's more pressure. There's more pressure to approve something. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. I mean, he just said it right there. The people that it's our job to keep in check, the people that it's our reason for existence to regulate, they butter our bread. So we can't say anything to them. They give us billions of dollars. I mean, conflict of interest is like an understatement. This is like the mafia tipping off the police. Like yeah, you're just gonna ignore what we do here because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw you some cash on on the side. This it's no different, and he says it and he admits it. 
in plain words, no flowery words here, no beating around the bush, plain straight talk. That's what I like about this guy, Christopher Cole of the FDA. A long time ago, uh, Congress approved uh, user fees for FDA. Basically, we charge the industry uh, millions of dollars in order to hire more drug reviewers and vaccine reviewers. Uh, which will speed up the approval process so they make more money. They tone down the impact of the user fees on their operations because they know they're dependent on the drug companies and the vaccine companies and these other companies for their agency to operate. The drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies. They pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their product. There he is. That's your, that's your FDA. That's your FDA. Oh, it's FDA approved now. It's FDA approved. Yeah, there's your FDA. They're as corrupt and slimy and disgusting and infiltrated as they come. The FDA. Oh, it's FDA approved now, so you can take it. Sick, man. It's just sick. Well, there's a money center for uh, Pfizer and the drug companies to um, promote um, additional vaccinations. See, it'll be a recurring um, fountain of revenue. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money. And a never-ending fountain of revenue is what he says the annual vaccination initiative will be for these companies. And you're just going to sit there and take it because they're going to scare you with a pandemic and they're going to tell you you can't go to your burger shop unless you get a, unless you get some stabbies. And they're going to sit there and laugh at you as they make hundreds of billions of dollars off killing you and addicting you and running your life. How does that feel? Extremely painful. And you know who his stakeholders are, right? You know who these people are that fund Mr. FDA over there, Mr. Christopher Cole. You know who the people are, right? You know that guy, Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer. Here's the guy that's buttering the bread of the FDA, forcing injections into your body. Here he is. Okay, let's connect some more dots here. I know I'm jumping all over the place. I know I'm jumping in timelines, but this is what we do on this show. We take things that you might think are unrelated and we connect them. Here's the guy that is the primary funder of the FDA that approves the medicines that go into your body. Here he is in 2017. Again, 2017. They said a lot of stuff in 2017. Here he is at the World Economic Forum talking about a pill that they're creating over there at Pfizer that has nanotech that digests into your stomach, okay? Not my words, his, that digests into your stomach and goes into your bloodstream and can send signals to your digital devices, letting you know if you're taking your pills or not and letting the people that track you know if they're taking your pills or not. And he says, it's, it, it will be very good for compliance. He sounds a lot like Klaus Schwab, this guy. Here he is, Albert Borla, saying one of the creepiest things you're ever gonna hear. It is a basically biological chip, but it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet, and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal, but you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, uh, compliance. compliance. That's the guy that butters the bread of your beloved FDA. Oh, it's FDA approved. You think the nanotech pill that sends signals to your digital device about your 
pill intake compliance? You think, uh, you think the FDA is going to approve that? Of course they are. After Pfizer throws them a few billions. But Albert Borla and his company Pfizer aren't just buttering the bread of the FDA approval system. They got the biggest advertisement, commercial, cheerleaders that you could want. The good old mainstream fake news media. Here's a gigantic compilation of all of the shows that you watch on cable television brought to you by Pfizer. Good Morning America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. So yeah, literally everything brought to you by Pfizer. Except for this podcast, though. This podcast is not brought to you by Pfizer. And it ain't brought to you by Moderna either. So now let's uh, switch gears to the other corporation, overlord, medical establishment, Moderna. That's funded and started by Bill Gates. Let's talk to the CEO from there. And he's super creepy, too. Here he is on Fox News when he was questioned by Maria on Fox News about how a Moderna patented gene sequence was found in the COVID virus? What? What? But I was told it came from a bat soup in a Chinese market. No, but here's the Moderna CEO on Fox News being questioned about the patented Moderna gene sequence, Moderna funded by Bill Gates, who talks about germ games and talks about pandemics constantly. Here's the CEO of that Bill Gates-funded corporation on Fox News being questioned about it, and he doesn't even really seem to care, honestly, and he's also creepy, just like Klaus Schwab, just like Albert Borla of Pfizer, just like Bill Gates, just like that Michael Spector guy that was chilling with Fauci. They're all such creepazoids. They're all just James Bond villain archetypes, man. It's creepy that we live in this world where these people really exist. But here he is. Here's the Moderna CEO on Fox News being questioned by Maria. Props to her, by the way. It says more evidence COVID was tinkered with in a lab. Now scientists find the virus contains a tiny chunk of DNA that matches sequence patented by Moderna three years before the pandemic began. Your reaction, Stefan? What can you tell us? Three years before the pandemic began. So my scientists are looking into those data to see how accurate they are or not. As I've said before, the hypothesis of an escape from a lab by an accident is possible. You know, human makes mistakes. So uh, is it possible that the Wuhan lab in China was working on uh, viruses uh, enhancement or gene modification? And then there was an accident where somebody was infected in the lab and then infected the families and friends. It is possible on the claim you just uh, mentioned. Uh, the scientists are analyzing to know if it's uh, real or not. So he just says, yeah, uh, it may or may not be our gene sequence. 
Uh, they make a lot of viruses in a lot of labs, and uh, who knows? It's very likely for one of the viruses that they make in these labs to be to to to, to get loose, basically, and wreak havoc. I mean, listen to this guy. He's on TV, and it's a fart in the wind. Nobody even cares. Nobody even cares, and that's the problem. Nobody even cares. But I care, and I hope you care, and I hope you make others care, because this is the world that we all live in. And we can't have these freakazoid mad scientists running around playing supervillain all the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was struck by the line, it matched a genetic sequence patented by Moderna for cancer research purposes, Stefan. Yeah, and that's the type of things that the team is looking at very carefully to know, is it, is it real or not? Okay. So it, it takes a bit of time to analyze yeah. all the genetic sequence. So uh, we heard a lot today from a lot of different people. And I'm not done yet. I still got a few more for you, but I just want to recap. They run these germ game exercises. They make these fake viruses in their laboratories. They make their fake cures for their fake viruses in the laboratories. And your life, my life, your children's life, your loved one's lives all get ruined in the process, just like we saw with this whole COVID agenda fiasco crisis. And like Gates said, to be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. They got more in store for you, baby. Sequel, pandemic part two, starring you as an extra. <laughs> but when I was talking about the different various germ games that they ran before, like the event 201 and the, and the spars, 2025. There's one that I forgot to mention, and it's one that's been pretty telegraphed pretty hard. It's one that involves a bioterrorist smallpox outbreak, like Gates mentioned before. Bioterrorist smallpox. And it's called something, I think you've heard it before. It's called Dark Winter. I don't know where I've heard this phrase before, Dark Winter. Hmm, can somebody jog my memory? Tonight, President-elect Joe Biden urging Congress to quickly pass hundreds of billions of dollars in pandemic relief before what he calls a very dark winter. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. We're still facing a very dark winter. Truthfully, we remain in a very dark winter. Bruh. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter, a dark winter, a dark winter. Oh, yeah, from our illustrious president, Mr. Chairman Joe Biden. Or as Klaus Schwab calls him, my lovely sweetheart. One of the most active members here at the World Economic Forum. So pay attention to that word, dark winter. Pay attention to when Bill Gates says, we're prepping for pandemic two, and it's probably going to be a bioterrorist attack. And it's probably going to be much worse and much more deadly than the COVID and it's probably going to be smallpox. Because you don't need to connect any dots there. I mean, <laughs> connecting dots, is the, 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 you don't even need to do that. They just tell you. Just like all those things those guys told you. From Michael Spector, from the other, gun, the other one, Rick Bright, telling you if only we had a pandemic that, I don't know, came out of China so that we can enact our global vaccination initiative. All of these synergize together. All of these stories, 
all of the clips, they all synergize together. They're all part of the same constellation. They're all branches on the same gigantic tree of corruption. But we got to pull that tree of corruption out by the root. Because that's the only way we got The only way we can do that is by exposing it and talking about it, showing people clips, spreading the word, understanding that there's an agenda afoot is the only way to uproot this tree of rot and corruption. And before I leave, before I put a lid on this episode and finish it up, I want us to all connect one more dot. I am going to play you a clip from the 2007. Yes, 2007 was 15 years ago, if you could believe that. From the Jesse Ventura program called Conspiracy Theory, funny enough, where he has on a guest named Dr. Rima Lebo. This episode of Conspiracy Theory was pulled off cable in 2007 when it aired. It aired only once and was never encored, never had a replay. They pulled all the replays out of the programming. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Back in the day, you think, oh, that's, that's peculiar. Let me just go on with my day. But now you think about it, and when you hear it, when I play it for you, it's going to be impossible not to connect a dot. It's going to be impossible for your spidey sense not to tingle. The things that Dr. Rima Labo says, they're pretty chilling, but that's only because they sound so familiar. And the fact that she said all this 15 years ago and she fled the country and they pulled this episode off a cable, it sounds crazy. And Jesse Ventura is really taken back when he hears all this stuff. But Dr. Rima Lebo doesn't have a crystal ball. She's not a clairvoyant. She's not an oracle. She says that she just reads the documents and she actually knew some of the people that were enacting some of these plans. She doesn't give any names, but she personally knew some of the people that were enacting these plans and they were getting this stuff ready even back in 20, in, in 2007, folks. In 2007, they were getting this stuff ready. And way earlier than that, actually, they had these plans to induce these crises and offer their solutions that only furthers their agendas. Oh, there's a pandemic. So we have to mass vaccinate and inject everybody. Oh, there's a cyber attack. We can't have any cybersecurity. So we need to own all of the internet and have no free market internet. Here's Dr. Rima Lebo in 2007 telling you what you're going to be going through in 2022 where you're living right now. Dr. Lebo, how are you? I'm fine. Thank Governor you, Governor. Jesse Ventura, thanks for coming. Now, you've left the United States of America. Yes, sir, I have. Why? I do not feel safe living in the United really? States. Really? Do you want to come in and sit down? No, sir. I'd rather not. You'd rather just be here so you can make a fast exit if you as have to? As soon as you and I finish, You're out I'm here. leaving the country again. Why? Because in a very short time, not today, not tomorrow, but very soon, we'll be facing compulsory vaccination under the mistaken term of voluntary vaccination. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Bueller. Bueller. 
what is it about these vaccinations? You think that they're bad? Well, first of all, let's start with the fact that the World Health Organization has decided that we have 90% too many people. The World Health Organization has been working since 1974 on vaccines to create permanent sterility. Remember when I was talking about eugenics? Remember? Oh no, shh, Joe, don't talk about eugenics. Don't say that word, shh. It doesn't exist, eugenics doesn't exist. Depopulation doesn't exist. Doctor, the response is gonna be, you're crazy. How can you say this stuff? I show them the documentation. Now, this is pretty shocking. This process has already been ongoing. To make matters worse, we know that the vaccines that were illegally approved by the FDA contain a substance called squalene. Illegally approved by the FDA, even back in 2007. And now we're only 15 years stronger with all that corruption. But the U.S. government has a trick up their sleeve. Which is? They will induce a pandemic. You're going to get the flu. Everybody around us is going to get the flu. Then the United States government, based on their statements that they've already made, will say, oh my, we have a pandemic. People lining up, sometimes by the hundreds, for an H1N1 flu shot. What that means is a holocaust, a genocidal holocaust. Men and women will sicken and die, and those who survive will be infertile. If people start dying massively from these inoculations, won't there be like a revolution, a rebellion, a rising up from the peasants? Briefly, until the 420,000 U.S. military swing into action. If you remember, NORTHCOM, the Northern Command, was created not long ago to, among other things, relocate the population in the event of civil disorder or pandemics. Doctor, what you're saying is that if people refuse these vaccinations, that FEMA's going to put them into almost like concentration camps around the country? I think you have to leave out the word almost. And like, I know it sounds scary and I know they put a lot of scary music in the background, but everything she's saying is written in those germ game documents, is in the Operation Lockstep, it's in the SPARS 2025. And you don't even need to read the documents. You're seeing it right now firsthand. What about the trucker protests in Canada? You can't be a peaceful protester. You can't have any dissension. You can't peacefully say that, hey, I don't want to participate in your medical experiment. They're going to sick the military on you. They sick the jackbooted thugs on you to beat you up and intimidate you when you just want to peacefully protest. And then the politicians demonize you and call you racist or whatever the hell they say. Now, I'm not sitting here saying Dr. Rima Lebo is completely 100% right, but when you think about this is the stuff that she was saying in 2007, and now you think about where we are right now in 2022, it's eerie, and it's impossible for your brain not to make those connections. It's impossible for you not to see the parallels between what she's saying and what you're experiencing. Let's uh, wrap it up with the final Rima Labo clip 
from 2007, Jesse Ventura's show Conspiracy Theory, that yes, they pulled off the network after the very first airing. And when you listen to this clip, I think you're really going to understand why. Doctor, how can you say this stuff? Let me tell you a story. In 2003, I had a patient in my drug-free medical practice who was a head of state. And one day she said, you know, it's almost time for the great culling to begin. The what? That's what I said. The what? She said the great culling, C-U-L-L-I-N-G, when you thin the herd. I said, what are you talking about? She said, it's almost time for the useless eaters to be culled. And she said, those are the people who are consuming our non-renewable natural resources. I said, who are the people who make this decision? She said, we, the aristocrats. There it is. When, when Bill Gates talks about you and he says he wants to keep you safe and Klaus Schwab says we're going to have a great reset and we're going to change what it means to be human and we need a fourth industrial revolution and when you hear the World Health Organization people say the pandemic's only going to get worse and worse and worse and when you see all the information coming out about how these injections are having adverse reactions, just know that it's all because they look at you like a useless eater and it's a eugenics program to quote, cull the population like cattle. I mean, I don't want to scare you. I really don't. I don't want to have to tell you these like earth shattering things that are going on underneath what you think is your life. But th- this, this is... This is it. You got to understand this. You got to spread the word. You got to talk to people about this. You got to have conversations about this. You got to, and you got to not be stigmatized. Then they get what they want if you don't talk about it. When nobody knows anything, when the blind are leading the blind, and the only person with eyes are the people who are trying to get rid of the blind people, you're done. You're cooked. Take the blindfolds off. Take the blindfolds off of others as well. Because if you can't see the parallels of what Dr. Lebo was talking about in 2007 on a show that got pulled after its very first airing and you don't see the parallels of what you're experiencing today, then uh, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do for you because you'll never connect those dots. And on this show, what we do is do the opposite. We absorb the pain. We know it's painful to hear these things. We know it's painful when you connect those dots, but it's also very empowering to know that these people have a target on your back and at least you're aware of it now. If the deer prancing in the forest doesn't realize that there's a pack of wolves out there ready to pounce and maul and rip the deer limb from limb, then it's going to get ripped limb from limb. But if you see those wolves, if that deer sees those wolves and knows that, hey, this is it, either I run or I'm dead, then the deer actually has a chance of surviving. Don't you want to know that there's wolves out there trying to feast on you? I would hope so, because they're trying to feast on me too. And we're all deer. We are just all deer in this giant forest and there's wolves coming after us. And we could either let them eat us or do something about it. 
So on that happy note, I'll see you on the next show. Peace out. God bless. And uh, basically uh, connect those dots or, or, or die, pretty much. You know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is uh, we'll get attention this time. <laughs>